In December 1988, when George Bush announced his choice for Secretary of Defense, he appeared to be making a conventional cabinet nomination. Like many of his other early appointments, the nominee for the Pentagon was an old friend and political ally. He was a former senator from the president-elect's home state. He had served as chair of the Senate Armed Services Committee as the senior member of a high-profile commission that investigated a foreign policy scandal in the Reagan White House, and as leader of a delegation that negotiated arms control in Geneva. He was an acknowledged expert on the defense budget and national security issues. As a former member of the legislative body that would vote on his nomination, John Towers seemed likely to win an easy and early confirmation. In the history of the Republic, only eight cabinet-level nominees had ever been rejected on the floor of the Senate. None had suffered that fate since 1959. No newly elected president had ever lost a Senate vote on a cabinet nomination. John Tower became the ninth cabinet nominee rejected by the Senate and the first to be denied his post at the outset of a new administration. The confirmation battle that took place in the honeymoon weeks of the Bush administration was a media circus dominated by salacious accusations about the nominee's private life. Although there was no doubt some truth in the observations, the Tower, at various points in his career, drank hard liquor and enjoyed the company of women, many of the accusations that garnered the most media attention were demonstrably false or came from obviously unreliable sources. Senator John McCain called the Tower confirmation a witch trial. NBC anchor Tom Brokaw concluded that the coverage of Tower's nomination had been unconscionable, involving the frequent airing of very damaging allegations without documentation or confirmation. Despite this lack of documentation and confirmation, or perhaps because of it, the newly elected president suffered a significant defeat in his dealings with the Democratic majority in the Senate, and his nominee suffered a public humiliation from which he never recovered. Tower nomination is often studied by those who are interested in the politics of scandal, the breakdown of collegiality in Congress, and issues related to media reporting on the personal lives of public servants. But students of the Bush administration also have a number of lessons to learn from this episode. The Senate battle over John Towers served as a preview and a prelude to the even more politicized Supreme Court confirmation conflict involving Clarence Thomas, when, once again, the private behavior of the nominee and what constituted appropriate evidence to judge that private behavior were controversial matters. The episode may also be important for the clues it gives to the character of the 41st president. Although Tower's rejection on the Senate floor was an unusual event, it was not unheard of for a presidential nominee to encounter difficulties in the confirmation process. When such difficulties arose, other presidents tended to cut their losses and move on. In 1977, Jimmy Carter abandoned Ted Sorensen as his choice for director of the CIA. Bill Clinton, serving in the term immediately after Bush, had a series of problems with his Justice Department appointments and withdrew his support for three prominent nominees who encountered confirmation controversies. George Bush took a different path. He stuck with Tower even after the prospects of winning on the Senate floor became dim and even after the nominee expressed some interest in withdrawing. Bush did so at some expense to his political reputation at the outset of his presidency and to his relations with the Democratic Senate majority.
Why did the President steadfastly support his wounded nominee when there was an easy, obvious, and conventional way out? The answer to that question tells us something important about George Herbert Walker Bush.